As we work our way through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, Psalm chapter 9, to the chief musician, to the tune of the death of a son, a psalm of David, I will praise you, O Lord, with my whole heart, and I will tell of your marvelous works. And I will be glad and rejoice in you, and I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. When my enemies turn back, they shall fall and perish at your presence. For you have maintained my right and my cause, and you sat on the throne judging in righteousness. And you have rebuked the nations, and you have destroyed the wicked. You have blotted out their name forever and ever. O enemies, destruction are finished forever, and you have destroyed cities, even the memory has perished. But the Lord shall endure forever, and he has prepared his throne for judgment, and he shall judge the world in righteousness, and he shall administer judgment for the people in uprightness. Now the Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed and a Refuge in time of trouble. And those who know your name will put their trust in you, for you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Now sing praises to the Lord who dwells in Zion. Declare his deeds among the people. And when he avenges blood, he remembers them and does not forget the cry of the humble. Have mercy on me, O Lord, and consider my trouble from those who hate me. You lift me up from the gates of death, that I might tell of your praise in the gates of the daughter of Zion, and I will rejoice in your salvation. For the nations have drunk down into the pit, or sunk down into the pit which they made in the net in which they hid. Their own foot is caught. And the Lord is known by his judgment that he executes. And the wicked is snared in the work of his own hand, meditation, and Selah. And the wicked shall be turned into hell, and all the nations that forget God. For the needy shall not always be forgotten, and the expectation of the poor shall not perish forever. Arise, O Lord, and do not let man prevail. Let the nations be judged in your sight, and put in fear, I'm sorry, put them in fear, O Lord that the, ma- the nations may know themselves to be but just men. Selah. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for a beautiful night, Lord, to worship you and to study your word. And so, Lord, that as we draw close to you through the encouraging psalms, Lord, like David, we, have, we would have a heart, Lord, that when we sin, we would cry out to you to forgive us, Lord, and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So speak to us, Lord, tonight and encourage us in Jesus' name. Amen. David knew what it was like to live in a crazy world of unrighteousness. I know that we're going to have to hypothetically think about that tonight, right? This is one of those psalms, Psalm 9, where you need to come back to because the psalm gives us strength knowing that the world is filled with unrighteousness and that Christ is on the throne, that God is on the throne. You're going to hear that several times through these psalms. We're hoping to get through five tonight. A couple of them are a little shorter, 
uh, shoulder, uh, could be, shorter, uh, and we'll see how uh, what David does is he proclaims the goodness of God. He knows his enemies are around him, and he, he once again asks the Lord to take care of that issue. All, uh, all the well-knowing, all the well-knowing, it's all right, thank you, is it? <sighs> what happened already? Let's start over. Welcome to Calvary's midweek service. It's like just pushing the tape, isn't it? David knows the world in which he lives in. It's filled with his enemies, unrighteousness, and he cries out to the Lord. And at the end of the day, listen, here's, here's the good news. Out of all these five psalms, God's on the throne. I gave it away. Did you see that? No matter what happens, no matter what lockdown, no matter what is about to befall this country, a second, third, fourth, whatever the world is going to go through, at the end of the day, we'll see God is on the throne. And I love the language that David uses. He's like, Lord, let their foot be caught in the net. Amen. Let, let their words be used against them. Amen. So verse 1. He says, I praise you, O Lord, with how much of his heart? Okay, right out of the gate, in order to rely upon the Lord for our daily needs, we need to give him all of what we have. Not just say, Lord, I've got that, I'll take care of that issue and that, that part of my life. We, we, we like to do that, we like to be control freaks. I know none of you here uh, are that way, uh, but that's what happens. And oftentimes we just say, Lord, I got that. And David knew, look, David could do it all. He was not only a psalmist, he wanted to so desperately be a priest as well, but he was king. And he says, no, I'm going to give you my whole heart. And notice, and I will tell of all your marvelous works. And the idea here in verse 1 is that I can tell what God has done in my life. Would we, I mean, David could sit down. Let me go through the lion and the bear incident as a little kid. Let me get to a little bit older, maybe 15, 16, I'm going to take out Goliath. And then I'm on the run and God is protecting me in the wilderness. And what David is able to do is list out what God has done for you. Uh, David gives us this by the Holy Spirit so that we would be encouraged. Amen. You as a parent, you as a grandparent, you need to show the marvelous works to your children to the next generation. This is what God has done. This is what God has done for me personally. This is what God has done for our church. Look at the marvelous works that he has done, amen? David was so proud to be a part of that. And he says, I will be glad and rejoice in you. Not only what God has brought him out of, what he is going to bring him into, and all again of the things that he has done. And I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. You see, when you recount what God has done in your life, isn't it one of those, well, geez, it's bad now, but remember what happened then and how he delivered me out of that? So I'm not going to be in a funk. I'm not going to be afraid. I'm going to praise the Lord. Amen. Yes? I'm going to say that a lot tonight <laughs> because uh, those times where we're, we're, we're you know, focused in on ourselves and the, the kind of the, the dreary of what's happening, 
David says, hey, go back and remember what God has done. And that allows us to sing praise to his name. Notice he calls him the Most High. He said, when my enemies turn back, they shall fall and perish at your presence. For you have maintained my right and my cause. Don't you love how David, and he says this all through the song, that God is the one that is defending me. I am not defending myself, David says. I let God do that. Can I give you the best advice you're going to hear, not only tonight, but all right, the rest of your life, stop defending yourself. Just let the Lord do it. Lord, you know you're my dad. Guys, wouldn't you rather have your dad defend you than you defend you? And so he says, You have maintained my right and my cause, and you sat on the throne judging in righteousness. And you have rebuked the nations, and you have destroyed the wicked, and you have blotted out their name forever and ever. And we're seeing that uh, come to an end in the book of Revelation as well. He said, O enemy, destructions are finished forever, which means they're coming and it will be an end. And you have destroyed cities, even the memory has perished. But the Lord shall endure forever, and he has prepared his throne for judgment. Listen to what David says. There is finite to humanity on planet earth, but who will live forever? God lives forever, and his throne lives forever. We think that we sit on the throne on this little third rock from the sun. We're in control. We are God. We can determine our path. And David says, no, God's on the throne. He says, he shall judge the world in righteousness, and he shall administer judgment for the people in uprighteousness. For the Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed, and a refuge in, a, in time of trouble. James makes mention of this. We had just finished James, and James says, listen, I hear the cries of those not getting paid for their daily labor. I hear those cries, and so I will deal with that. Again, let the Lord deal with that. The Lord will be a refuge. He will be a, a place of safety for the oppressed. Verse 10, and those who seek your name will put their trust in you, for you, Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Would you underline that, highlight that verse? That is wonderful. God is not going to say, hey, you're a true seeker? Nope, you're Irish. You're Italian. We're full on that. No, no, no. Look at the verse again. He says, those who know your name, and I would add Jesus Christ there. Those who know your name will put their trust in you, not in yourself, not in your own righteousness, but in God's righteousness. For you, Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. When someone truly comes to the Lord, there will be a communion there. There will be a brokenness and a forgiveness. 11 says, Sing praise to the Lord who dwells in Zion and declare his deeds among the people. So we get back to again, what has he done? His works, his deeds. Say that among the people. Let people know what God has done for you. Listen, 
we could have a little testimony party. We can go all th- through. How many of you were about to be A, incarcerated, B, dead, or both because of drugs? Only one? Thanks, buddy. Look, we were all, yeah, listen, we, the Bible tells us we were dead in our trespasses. And if it had not been for the Lord, I love that. If the Lord had not been on our side, we would have been crushed. We would have been destroyed. So if that is the case in your life, let people know. Let God know what he has delivered you from. Let people know that he has put your feet upon the rock and is taking you out of the miry pit, that he has healed your marriage, healed your relationship with this family member or whatever, that God has done this work. Declare his deeds among the people. Why? Because when he avenges blood, he will remember them. And he does not forget the cry of the humble. Have mercy on me, O Lord. Consider my trouble from those who hate me. You who lift me up from the gates of death. David knew what it was like to be pursued and hated. He knew what it was like to have the tabloids saying all kinds of nasty things about his administration. He knew what it was like. And he says, Lord, lift me out of that. Verse 14, that I might tell of your praise in the gates of the daughters of Zion. And I will rejoice in your salvation. And the nations have sunk down in the pit which they made in the net which they hid and their own foot is caught. They have done it to themselves. They can't say to God, I'm blaming it on God. They did it for themselves. They have sunk down. When a nation forgets not only its history and its um, its relationship to the things of God, then that nation will go under. And I think I'm living in that nation. The Lord is known by its judgment that he executes. And the wicked is snared in the work of his hands. Meditation, say la. So what he just said for the last 16 verses, everybody pause and meditate on that and say la from last week. What do you think about that? Just let that sink in for a while. How great is our God? What has he done in your life? Just think about that, meditate that. Maybe you need to, to write down a few things that he has done for you. Uh, on the top right, I'm not burning in hell. Isn't that great? And then everything else is gravy after that. <laughs> I'm not burning in hell. And look, it says in verse 17, For the wicked shall be turned into hell, and all the nations that forget God. For the needy shall not always be forgotten, and the expectation of the poor shall not perish forever. God will take care of that. Jesus said, you will have the poor with you. How much? Always. And I don't want to go off on this point tonight, but let me make a quick 10 second. This is why the church cannot think that it can accomplish getting rid of the poor. Because you'll always have it with you. So the social justice or making things equal or right or giving money to this group and this, that's, that should not be in our purview as the church. I told you it was 10 seconds. Arise, O Lord, and do not let man prevail. 
and it won't. Man will not prevail. We'll get to the end of Revelation, right? And we'll see. Let the nations be judged in your sight, and they will. And uh, I, like, I love David. Put them in fear, and they will through Revelation. That the nations may know themselves to be but men, just men. This is how great our God is from last, uh, the last song, how, how wonderful his works are in the heavens. And you look at how, it, you know, the, the great expanse of the universe, how our earth can fit into the sun a thousand times, or is it 10,000 or a million? It doesn't matter, it's a big number. But then our sun can fit into another star like 10,000 times. And then we come back to this planet and we're just but a speck. Who is man and who is mindful of him? He says, let the nations, let them know that they are just mere men. Selah, what do you think about that? Psalm 10. Why do you stand afar off, O Lord, and why do you hide in times of trouble? Sometimes it seems that David, is it me, or does, does anyone else think that sometimes David goes over the line with God? I mean, he is a very feeling man, is he not? He is very emotional driven. You can hear that at him, and sometimes that'll push you over the line. And thank God God didn't say, Dave, are you kidding me? And he's pushing that. Now listen, God has not left David, right? So that's not a true statement. When we feel that God is distant from us, that's not God, that's us. That's our fault. That's something that we have done. He says, why do you stand afar off, O Lord, and why do you hide in times of trouble? He says, when I'm in trouble, I feel like you're not there. Well, listen, some of the trouble is our fault. Thank you. One person is a sinner. And we, we blame the devil for everything, and we blame God for everything. And a lot of our problems are, uh, it's us. It's our fault. It's what we have done. And then we go, God, why aren't you cleaning up my mess? Look, David had a lot of problems in his life. And he said, Lord, why do you stand afar off? And why do you hide yourself in trouble? Now, that, let's say it's not your fault. What is God doing in that situation? Well, is, he's waiting to see if you're going to cry out. Jonah, how many days are you going to be in the fish before you cry out to me? I'm going to allow you to go through this trouble. How Quick, are you going to cry out to the Lord? Lord, I can't go through this situation on my own. Can you help me? He said, the wicked in his pride persecutes the poor. He says, let them be caught in their own plots, <laughs> which they have devised. He said, for the wicked boasts of his heart's desire. And he blesses the greedy and renounces the Lord. Isn't it funny how they take care of each other? And the wicked in his proud countenance 
does not seek God. For God is, is in none of his thoughts. Now, this is a theme through the Bible, and it's a theme in the New Testament as well. Where God is not putting down, nor Christ putting down riches, but what he is saying is when somebody gets to that situation, they oftentimes stop saying, uh, they stop crying out to God. The rich man who came to Jesus, right? I'm going to build bigger barns. And Jesus goes, you're a fool because tomorrow you're going to die. And the the rich man was thinking, all I was doing was enhancing my own self rather than giving back. He says, the wicked in his proud countenance does not seek God. God is none in his thoughts. His ways are always prospering. That means that's always that's always ever thinking about. And your judgments are far above, out of his sight. And as for his enemies, he sneers at them. <laughs> let, let me translate this. This guy gets away with everything. That's not fair, God. Anybody else think of that? God, why is that businessman over there prospering when I know he's doing things illegally? And what would God say? Well, ultimate, he's not going to get away with it. But you do what you're supposed to do. You be above board. You, when, when all men come to you with an accusation, it's brushed off because they know of your character. He says in his heart, verse 6, I shall not be moved and I shall never be in adversity. Isn't it funny how people get to that place and then the stock market changes? And on paper, they were worth $5 billion and tomorrow they're worth nothing. He says, I'm not going to be moved. I have everything. His mouth is full of cursing and deceit and oppression. And under his tongue is trouble and iniquity. And he sits in lurking places. <laughs> this is He sits in lurking places of the villages and in the secret places he murders the innocent and his eyes are secretly fixed on the helpless. Now, I am not going to go into it tonight, but I will tell you that the world has created five new billionaires because of the so-called vaccine. Yet, we're we're finding out that uh, a lot of people are dying from the vaccine. And then... The, the statistics that I gave on Sunday is actually pretty shocking. That was just one health group with those numbers. And there's multiple groups that they're finding out. And I've been waiting to announce this as well on Sunday. Just learned that the, the main test that was used for COVID doesn't work because it's, it can't differentiate between the flu and COVID. Does anybody... Oh, uh, we knew it all along. And, y- you know, you read something from David thousands of years before, and you go, there's nothing new under the sun. People are getting rich from other people's death and misery. And it's right here. And it's happening right now. And... Uh, The inmates are running the asylum. He says, 
He lies in wait secretly as a lion in his den, which means he waits for the opportunity to pounce on the innocent. When everyone else is doing what's right and what's legal, you could just burn down Portland and it's okay. No one will go to jail. But you go to Washington during an event, you're going to get hooked and booked. There you go, Jimmy. That was a cop phrase. (laughs) I'm trying to bring in all the professions. (laughs) He lies in wait secretly. He lies in wait to catch the poor. He catches the poor and he draws them into his net. And he crouches and he lies low and that the helpless may fall by his strength. And he has said in his heart, God has forgotten, and he hides his face, and he'll never see. this. (laughs) God's never going to judge me. He hasn't judged me to this point, so I'm good. Just Just because God hasn't judged you is only a declaration of his long-suffering to you in that he is wanting you to repent. 12. Arise, O Lord, O God. Lift up your hand and do not forget the humble. Lord, take care of these that are being eaten by the rich there. And why do the wicked renounce God? For they have said in in their heart, you will not require an account. Listen, they say, I'm good. God's not going to hold me accountable. And so then you get Something terrible, which is evolution, which tells people there is no account because we all came from monkeys, and so they'll be, we're just going to go back to the ground, and there's no eternity. There's no accounting for any of that. 14 says, but you have seen, for you observe trouble and grief to repay it by your hand. Yes, Lord. And the helpless commits himself to you, and you are the helper of the fatherless. Break Break the arm of the wicked and the evil man. Seek out his wickedness until you find none. And the Lord is the king forever and ever, and the nations have perished out of their land. For the Lord, you have heard the desire of the humble, and you will prepare their heart, and you will cause your ear to hear, to do justice to the fatherless and the oppressed, that the man of the earth may oppress no more. Amen. It's coming. Psalm 11. A Psalm of David. In the Lord I put my trust. How can you say to my soul, flee as a bird to your your mountain? For look, the wicked bend their bow and they make ready the arrow on the string, that they may shoot secretly at the upright in heart. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? For the Lord is in his holy temple and the Lord is on the throne in heaven and his eyes behold. In his eyelids, test the son of men. For the Lord tests the righteous, but the wicked and the one who loves violence, his soul hates. And upon the wicked, he will rain coal. 
Rain, coals, fire, and brimstone, and a burning wind shall be their portion of their cup. For the Lord is righteous, he loves righteousness, and his countenance beholds the upright. So the Lord is on the throne, the Lord is in his temple. You can see from going from last chapter into this chapter, keep going. Lord, you ultimately are on the throne. We don't have to worry about anything. We don't have to worry about the cause You'll take care of it. Four, why? One, in the Lord I put my trust. If I put my trust in the Lord and not in men and not in government, I'm not going to be afraid and I'm, I'm going to let him do all the work. He's going to take care of it. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Don't we want God's vengeance <laughs> over our vengeance? I got nothing compared to the creator of the hev- heavens of the earth. He's got fire and brimstone. That's not fair. He says, in in you, Lord, I put my trust. He says, how can you say to my soul, flee as a bird to the mountain? And the idea is, Lord, I'm in the midst of that. How can you say just flee? Listen, the, the, the idea, he's on the throne. He'll take care of it. I'll deal with it. You don't have to intercede into the situation. I'll take care of it. He says, for look, the wicked bend their bow. They're getting ready for war. They make ready their arrows on the string that they might shoot secretly at the upright in heart. Listen, the enemy is always and will always, until we leave this planet, will always go after the upright in heart, no matter what. Listen, you're doing fine. You're walking with the Lord. Nothing's wrong. And then out of the nowhere and that's good English, out of the nowhere, something just comes flying and hits you. And you're like, what was that? It's the unrighteous shooting the righteous. It will come out of nowhere. He said, if the foundations are destroyed, what can righteous do? And listen, I echo echo this statement from David today in our own nation. Our foundation as a nation is, is being destroyed, what can the righteous do? Um, I watch a lot of YouTube videos. I've told you that. I've, I repent of that. I'm, this is my therapy right now. But uh, I read a lot. I'm try, I stay informed. And all. You know what I hear a lot from um, the commentaries and news is what can good people do against what's going on right now? And that's very hard to give them a good answer because if you look at all of them, all of whoever is on the radio and talking or on, uh, you know, whatever cable networks on, they will all, for the most part, say, well, you know, get into a local office. Start locally and move your way up. At least try, at least, at least don't New York or South Carolina, Right? Don't make what you did there and that, that policy or that, don't do that to our state. Well, how do we do that? How do we fight against that? And you can hear David saying, what can the righteous do? Well, the answer is verse 4. And by the way, everything else is important to get involved. But to a point to know that verse 4, God's in his holy temple. And the Lord's throne is in heaven. 
And his eyes behold, and his eyelids test the Son of Man. God's looking on what is happening on planet Earth. He's not shocked. He knows it. He knows everything that happened. He knows what happened in Benghazi. He, he, know, he knew what happened with Watergate. He knew Iran-Contra. See, I'm giving every president, not picking on one. <laughs> Fast and furious, everything that's been out there, he sees it all. And they're not going to get away with it. It will be taken care of. Allow God to just do the work. Now, by the way, that doesn't say that we don't hold them accountable on planet Earth when we can. Because we can, well, we, yeah. Well, we used, all right. We vote. And that's how, in America, we hold them accountable. I'll leave that alone. Listen, the Lord tests the righteous. Why doesn't he test the wicked? Because he is refining us. That's what testing is. Again, getting to 99.9% gold doesn't happen when you throw the rock into the cauldron. It's got quartz in there. It's got silver in there. It's got all kinds of other minerals in there. It takes several refining processes or processes to get to that place where you can see yourself in the gold. God tests the righteous. But the wicked and the one who loves violence, his soul hates. He, he will deal with that. And upon the wicked, <laughs> sorry, I, I have a little excitement in verse 6. But upon the wicked, he rains, <laughs> rains coals, fire, and brimstone, and a burning wind shall be their portion of their cup. You can't get more powerful than fire and brimstone. That's raining lava down. For the Lord is righteous, and he loves righteousness, and his countenance beholds the upright. Now, I'm not going to belater. belater? Man, I'm having a hard time tonight. Belater. <laughs> Listen, we hear a lot about in the church God is love, right? And that's true. But not to discount the other attributes of God, mainly his righteousness and his righteousness as a judge. For the Lord is righteous and he loves righteousness and his countenance beholds the upright, which means he smiles when we too are living in righteousness or right on living. Psalm 12. To the chief musician on an eight-stringed harp. A song of David. Help. I mean, that's it. Just help. There's a comma. He just stops. Help. This is a good, <laughs> this is a good psalm for you who are in the help comma face help notice who he cries to not to man not to a program not to a prescription not to a government not to a man but to the Lord he says help Lord 
He says, for the godly man ceases, for the faithful disappear among the sons of men. David, even back then, could see people's walk with God waning. He could see people that were excited about going to the temple and sacrifice and doing what is right and living what is right in his own nation and continued to see a downward spiral. And he says, Lord, where is, where is the godly men gone? There was a song years ago, where did all the cowboys go? Well, where are all the godly men gone? You see, the Bible tells us in Thessalonians, as we get closer to the time of Christ, that the apostasy of the church will happen. We will have less and less people following what is true, and they will believe lies and fables and all kinds of other junk that have nothing to do with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Oh, they sound good in a talking point, but they are not relevant to the message of Jesus. He says, for the godly man ceases, for the faithful disappear from among the sons of men. They speak idly, everyone with his neighbor, with flattering lips and a double heart, they speak. That may the Lord cut off the flattering lips and the tongue that speaks proud things. Listen, it's like David is saying, Lord, the church was filled. People were excited. They were doing things. And then all of a sudden, we started to see the godly leave the church. And not only that, but notice what happens when they left. And what did they start doing? They started to destroy and eat others. They speak idly, everyone with his own neighbor. They eat each other on Facebook. They go after, they don't give solutions, they just, oh, oy vey. They speak idly, everyone with his own neighbors, with flattering lips. They speak one way to you, and then as soon as you're offline, they go X, Y, and Z, right? Notice with a double heart. He said, may the Lord (laughs) cut off their flattering lips. What does that mean? It's exactly what it means. Lord, just remove that which is causing the pain and the tongue that speaks proud things. Who have said, "With with our tongue we will prevail and our lips our own. Who is Lord over us? Oh, man, I could go down a path right now. The people on social media, and the, because uh, they're not taken off those platforms, then there's no, no, you know, no consequences for what they do. They just continue to do it, and they continue to do it. And it says, who is Lord over us? For the oppression of the poor... And for the sighting of the needy, now I will arise, says the Lord, and I will set him in the safety for which he yearns. He says to David, David, I've heard that, and I've seen the oppression of the poor. I've seen the needy. I've I've heard the cries. Now I will arise, says the Lord. Verse 6 says, the words of the Lord are pure words. 
like silver tried in the furnace of the earth, purified seven times. Uh, the, the, don't try to figure out seven times. It just means it's really pure. It's the best pure. Uh, got that? Uh, trying to figure out what green grass is in Revelation. Uh, sometimes it's just green grass. Sometimes it means it's just really pure. And that's the idea. The words of the Lord are pure. There is no error in God's word. There might be a copyist error here or there. How many of you, you love to hear this one? Well, I, you know, I, I can't really believe that Bible because it's filled with contradictions. Really? Show me one. Well, I heard it on CNN. Well, there you go. <laughs> I should pick on another network. MSN. Yahoo News. <laughs> you pick your flavor out there, right? But they always say, well, it's, it's filled with airs, or that's your opinion. That's, there's all these different opinions. No, there's not. There is one opinion to the Bible, that God is the creator, his son is the deliverer, and the Holy Spirit directs men to that deliverer, Jesus Christ. And it is amazing that 66 books have one scarlet thread through it all. That's why Jesus said, the volume of the book speaks of me. I mean, are you not amazed that it is written in uh, different languages, and yet uh, one guy writing 2,000 years before and another guy writing 2,000 years ahead is able to have the same theme and the same idea? Because that is God breathed. That's what the Bible says. And so God's words are pure. And you shall keep them, O Lord, and you shall preserve them from generation to generation. What you hold in your hand, this, the very same Bible, if you turn to Isaiah, don't do it, but if you turn to Isaiah and then go to the Dead Sea Scrolls in Israel, open up your Isaiah and that Isaiah and it is the exact same Isaiah. Six, uh, 200 years before Jesus, that copy of Isaiah is in the Dead Sea Scrolls Museum. Guys, that doesn't happen with, with secular books. This book is pure. It's God's holy word, and you can take it, <laughs> sorry, an old phrase, to the bank, which is digital now. You shall keep them, O Lord, and you shall preserve them from generation to generation, and the wicked prowl on every side. When vileness is exalted among the sons of men. Would you note that? Is it, is it, is it exalted today? Vileness? Anything that's out there? But you talk, you talk about Jesus, and... The, it, Well, you, you can just get banned right off of a social media platform. And you watch the venom that comes out when you use the name of Jesus at your next holiday with your family members. What does that have to do with this psalm? Nothing. Keep going. Psalm 13, last psalm tonight. We're doing good tonight. Psalm 13, the chief musician, a psalm of David. <laughs> Again. How long? Comma. 
Have you felt that? I have been in the midst of this for how long? How long, O oh Lord, will you forget me? And then he says, forever? Now, see, David's a little bit of like a kid who blows things way out of proportion. I know no adults ever do that, right? You blow something way out of proportion. Dave, let, listen, Dave, you just said the wondrous works of God and what he's done for you and Goliath and the bear and all these things in your life, and you have the chutzpah to say to the Lord, you're forgetting me? But we can feel that way. Here's the problem with feelings. Because it is not reflective of the truth of God in your own life. And your emotions can say something that is not the reality of your relationship with God. Do you see how destructive that can be? You can allow yourself to go down that path of emotion and you're like, how long, oh Lord, you're just, you, you don't even care. And he's like, what? I saved you on the cross, nails, right? I did this for you. I've done this for you. You're going to heaven. I mean, just all of these things. But we do that. Lord, will you forget me? And then we go, forever. Because we blow things out of proportion. He says, how long will you hide your face from me? Now, is it God that is hiding his face from David? No. He said, how long shall I take counsel in my soul? Well, don't do that, Dave. Don't go to yourself for counsel. We already talked about it because we can often give ourselves bad counsel. He said, having sorrow in my heart daily, how long will my enemies be exalted over me? Okay, now you're getting to it. It's like when someone talks about a problem, they don't get to the actual real problem for a couple of 30, 40 minutes or 10 visits, right? Okay, well, I get that now. Well, having sorrow in my heart daily, how long will my enemies be exalted over me? He said, consider and hear me. O oh Lord my God, enlighten my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. I love David, but there are some songs where I'm like, buck up, buckaroo. You killed Goliath, your king. Hello? You ever talk, you ever had that with somebody? And they're telling you your woes, and you're like, but didn't you just go to this worldwide trip on a cruise for like a year and you have this and your kids are all obeying and loving Jesus? Oh, yeah, right. Sometimes we blow things way out of proportion. And David says, lest I sleep a sleep of death. It's not going to kill you, Dave. He said, lest my enemy say I have prevailed against him. God's not going to let that happen. Why? Because David is the king and God has established David as the king. No matter what happens, no matter what Absalom does, no matter what somebody else tries to do. At the end of the day, guys, we are followers of Jesus Christ. We are the king's kids. 
At the end of the day, it doesn't matter what's happening to our bodies. We will go home to be with the king. So it doesn't really matter. Lest my enemy say I have prevailed against you. Lest they... Uh, let lest those who trouble me rejoice when I am moved. But I have trusted in your mercy, and my heart shall rejoice in your salvation. Okay, remember how I just picked on David, but David always seems to just bring it back. He might go off the rail for a minute, but he's like, oh, oh okay. So verse 5 and 6 are David coming back. But I've trusted in your mercy, and my heart shall rejoice in your salvation. Okay, Lord, I remember. And I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me, which means I don't deserve what he has given me, and so therefore I rejoice in what you have given me. Well, read ahead. One of my favorite psalms in the psalms. Now, you're going to hear me say that about probably 150 times. But next week, Lord willing, is about the fool who said in his heart, there is no God. So we love talking about the fool, and David actually called this guy a fool. He will we'll get into the fool for next week. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for your word, and we thank you, Lord, for your loving kindness and all of your wondrous works which you have done, which you will continue to do, We thank you, Lord, for the times of trials and testing, the purifying times, Lord, that we might shine for you, that we would be your instrument for glory, for your name, Lord, forever and ever. That people would see that we trust in Jesus Christ and that we are not ashamed of his gospel. So, Lord, thank you for your word and that it's pure and that it's live and it's powerful. In Jesus' name, amen.